flowers are blooming, the birds are singing, the grass is growing, the sun is shining, the temperatures are warming, and the pollen's falling, all right? I mean, it's all inclusive there. But I believe this springtime is a great time, and I've been thinking about it. I want to share with you today this message the Lord placed on my heart this week. Springtime is a great time. Spring indeed has sprung. But you know what? It could be that you're in a rut today. It could be that you need some springtime in your spiritual life. You may need some springtime in your relationships, all right, or in some other facet of your uh, existence. But let me say this. Springtime can also be a time of spring cleaning. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Man, it, doesn't it seem to y'all that dust just seems to collect overnight? I mean, it's hard to keep up with all the dust. You ladies, how I many of you ladies know what I'm talking about? The dust, and men too, the dust just seems to accumulate everywhere, and my soul is hard to keep up with it. It reminded me of a little boy one day. He was listening to a preacher, and the preacher was preaching on how we came from the dust. He talked about Adam, how God formed him from the dust of the earth. And then he talked about the preacher that is, how we go back to the dust. He said, We're, we come from the dust, we go back to the dust. We come from the dust, we go back to the dust. We come from dust and go back, from dust to dust. And that is, uh, the little boy got to thinking about it. He went home after he heard the preacher preaching about dust. And he ran upstairs, he looked under his bed, he ran downstairs, he said, Mama, Something's either coming or going. I don't know, but there's a lot of dust under my bed. So things are happening this springtime. I love this little caption right here. Spring has sprung. And I want to encourage you today, new vision, new growth. That's what spring's all about. New uh, passion for the Lord and new purpose and new power and new anointing and new relationships, and new breakthroughs. How many need a breakthrough today? How many need some kind of new growth in your life? That's what springtime is all about. Yes, it's about spring is time, is a great time indeed. And what we're going to do today is we're going to look at the Bible, a passage of Scripture that, by the way, the Jewish custom was for the young men not to read this passage until they were 30 years old. Can you imagine? And one preacher put it this way. An older preacher told him, don't read it until you're 60 years old. Well, oh, that would exclude me. I wouldn't be able to read it. However, I've read it, and you probably have as well. And here in this passage, I want you to notice how many times this author, namely Solomon, mentions plants. He mentions it 21 times. He talks about animals 15 times in this particular passage of Scripture. But before we look at the Scripture, I want to remind you uh, about uh, this man named Solomon. Uh, Solomon uh, uh, was used of the Lord, and uh, certainly he had his uh, wisdom, and yet he had his uh, flaws as well. In fact, it reminded me, according to 1 Kings chapter 3 and verse 11. You know what the Bible says in 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 11? Anybody know what it says? It says this, Solomon had 300 wives and, uh, and 700 concubines. I mean, this man, or either I've got him reversed. Anyway, he had a bunch of, and, and one little boy said to his mama, he said, Mama, I went to Sunday school today, and I found out that Solomon loves animals. By the way, I love animals too. I mean, I love God more than animals, but I, I don't watch TV. I might watch the news every once in a while. I keep up with it on the computer and newspaper and so forth. But 
Uh, anyway, if I do watch something, it would be related to animals. For some reason, I'm just fascinated, particularly with lions and tigers and elephants and the bigger and some of the wild animals. I'm fascinated with, with them. Anyway, this little boy said to his uh, mama, he said, Mama, uh, Solomon loved animals. She said, how do you know that? He said, Mama, Solomon had... Uh, I had 300 wives and 700 porcupines, all right? He meant concubines, but he said porcupines. And I believe those porcupines indeed stuck Solomon. Somebody say amen. They stuck Solomon because they turned his heart away from God, and he began to turn toward idolatry because of it and immorality. And consequently, in 931 B.C., the Solomon died. The kingdom was divided in the northern kingdom of Israel, ten tribes, the southern kingdom of Judah being two tribes. I said all that to lead us to our text today. We're looking today at the book of Song of Solomon. Song of Solomon. You might classify this as X-rated slash R-rated, but it's a beautiful account in the Bible. And uh, you can interpret this one of four ways. Are you listening? Say amen if you're listening. All right? Number one, you can interpret this from an allegorical perspective, meaning that this is uh, not a literal uh, husband and wife, but rather this is a picture of God the Father with his bride, his wife being Israel. Number two, you can interpret this from a literal perspective, and that is uh, this is an actual account of a real husband, a bride, and a bridegroom. And literally, that's the interpretation. Number three, there's a way to interpret this as a picture of Christ and the church. Certainly there's implications included in this particular book, namely the book of Song of Solomon. Number four, there's a fourth interpretation that one can derive, and that is this can be certainly a glimpse of our relationship with the love of our soul, namely the Lord Jesus. Now today what we're going to do, I said all that to tell you this, what we're going to do is we're going to take this text and uh, I want to lean toward the literal interpretation, namely uh, exactly a husband and wife, a bridegroom and a bride. Uh, in fact, the uh, canicles, as it's referred to, and canicles simply means song. This is a compilation of songs. And in the book of Song of Solomon, we're going to not only look at it from a literal point of view, and I believe the best interpretation is literally, grammatically, and uh, historically, every passage of Scripture in the Bible. And at the same time, beloved, we can draw some personal applications from the allegorical perspective. But as a teacher and as a preacher, it's important to stay true to the Word of God, the literal rendering. All right? And so here's where we're going in the message today. The proposition the Lord placed on my heart to give you today is this. There are three ways that you can make this springtime a great time. Three ways you can make this springtime a great time. And you know what we're going to do? We're going to look at the book of Song of Solomon. And here's the three ways. I'll bring them on the screen in a moment. Spring has sprung. But uh, you'll notice uh, some people like spring because of turkey hunting. Did any of you men kill a turkey yesterday? I was hoping how many y'all able to love a lot of our men. We talked about it the other night at the campfire. Some men like to go turkey hunting and and, uh, and the springtime's the time to cut grass. Springtime. It's springtime. Spring has sprung. As I said, spring has sprung. I hope that God will encourage your heart today as we look today at the book of Song of Solomon. We're looking at Song of Solomon. Have you found it by now? Hopefully you'll find it there after the book of Ecclesiastes, the Song of Solomon. Now, we're introduced to this account, and I'll get right to the meat of the message here in a moment, but I must tell you, this is a bride 
a young lady who meets a young man. It's called, this lady rather, is called a Shulamite bride. Evidently, she worked out in the outside. Some say she was a country girl, you might say. And consequently, because of the sun, she had a deep, dark tan. And we read that in chapter 1. We're really going to fast forward to go to chapter 2. But let me go ahead and give you the three ways that you and I can make this springtime a great time. How many of y'all want to make springtime a great time? Do you really want to make this time a great time? I do. Man, I tell you, life is so short. We better seize the opportunity while we've got time. We're not promised of tomorrow. And therefore, if you're not saved today, that's your greatest need. If you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus, that's the number one need in your life. And then if you do, my need and your need is to stay in fellowship with God every day. And the church said, amen and amen. Number one, and we'll get to the text in a moment, but let me just say this. Will you, will you make this springtime a great time by growing, number one, in your devotional life? Growing in your devotional life. I find that in chapter 2. And we'll look at it in a moment. Namely, verses 11 and 12. But there's a second way that you can make this springtime a great time. It's not only by growing in your devotional time, but number 2. And I'll bring this on the screen. Don't worry, you don't have to get it right now. But number 2, you and I can make this springtime a great time by growing not only in our devotional time, but number two, in our family time. How many want to be closer with your family? All right, I know a lot of ladies want to be closer with your family, and men as well, and young people as well, and parents as well. At any rate, number three, there's a third, and I find that with a family derived from verses 1 through verse 5 of Song of Solomon chapter 2. But there's a third way that you and I can make this springtime a great time. It's not only by growing in our devotional time, in our family time. Number three, by growing and being ready for the end time. The end time. I see that in verse number nine and then over in verse number 17. So you've got the text. You're there in the Song of Solomon. I want to read. If you'd like to stand as we read the text today, you may do so now, please, if you'd like to. I'm reading from Song of Solomon chapter 2. Song of Solomon chapter 2. Springtime is a great time. And I pick up in verse 1. Now there's different opinions as to who's actually speaking in verse 1 of chapter 2 of the book of Song of Solomon. There are those, particularly with the newer versions, claim that this is the bride. This is that young Shulamite woman. However, there's others who say there's no doubt this is a reference to the Lord Jesus Christ. At any rate, let's read it together. Verse number one, I am the rose of Sharon and the lily of the valleys. As the lily among thorns, so is my love among the daughters. As the apple tree among the trees of the wood, so is my beloved among the sons. I sat down under his shadow with great delight and his fruit was sweet to my taste. I love this verse four. He brought me to his banqueting house and his banner over me was love. Yes, and uh, that word banner is a canopy or a covering. And certainly this was used in a Jewish wedding as well as other occasions. Look at verse number five. Stay with me, flagons. Comfort me with apples for I am sick of love. By the way, you know apples aren't raised in Israel. Did you know that? Uh, the temperature, you've got to have a certain amount of cold temperature, so we're told and read. Of course, we travel 
there and were able to visualize. Uh, but this is probably some kind of fruit, according to many scholars. I, uh, I guess apples could be raised, but maybe the quality would not be the same as we uh, are used to apples in North Carolina and various places around, um, you know, in our neck of the woods, we'd say. Now skip on down to verse number 8. Look at verse 8. The voice of my beloved, behold, he cometh leaping upon the mountains, skipping upon the hills. My beloved is like a roe or a young heart. Behold, he standeth behind our wall. I want you to underline that. I'll come back to that in a moment. He standeth behind our wall. He looketh forth at the windows, showing himself through the lattice. And then, verse 10, My beloved spake and said unto me, Rise up, my love, my fair one, and come away. Notice the uh, Solomon is referring to this Shulamite woman as his love, and she's referring to him as his beloved, beloved in love. Notice verse number 11. Underline it. We'll come back to it. For lo, the winter is past. The rain is over and gone. That's the verse that God led me to to preach the message this week as I was thinking about it. In fact, the official day of spring was just Wednesday of this week. The, the, that is March the 20th. But the flowers appear on the earth. The time of singing of the birds has come. The voice of the turtle, that is the turtle dove, is heard in our land. The fig tree put it forth her figs. And the vines with the tender grape give a good smell. Arise, my love, my fair one, and come away. O oh, my dove, thou art in the clefts of the rock and the secret places of the stairs. Let me see thy countenance. Let me hear thy voice. For sweet is thy voice, and thy countenance is comely. Take us the foxes, the little foxes that spoil the vines, for our vines have tender grapes. My beloved is mine, and I am his. He feedeth among the lilies. Verse 17, note it, please. We'll come back to it in a little while. Until the day break and the shadows flee away, turn, my beloved, and be thou like a roe or a young heart upon the mountains of Bether. Now, there's speculation where that might be. Most believe it's up in the northern part of Israel, uh, near the Her Mount Hermon or over in the Lebanon area. Let's pause for a moment to pray. Would you pray with me right now? Father, I bless you today that you are good and you're great and you're mighty and you're a wonderful Savior and a mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, and the government of this world is upon your shoulders. I thank you, God, for this time of the year whereby, our Lord, we can see your handiwork. We can experience the sunshine of your great love and the warmth of your security that we're in you and you're in us, the hope of glory. We bless you today for every person that's gathered. We ask you now to speak to our hearts and give us ears to hear and hearts to obey. Yes, wills that will be bent and broken, surrendered to the still small voice of your Holy Spirit. Thank you for the blood and thank you for the time of praise we've had. Now, Lord, I pray for you'd prepare us this spring, springtime, to be a great time for your glory that we'd reach out and see, uh, Lord, uh, people in need and lost without you and needing forgiveness of sins. And I pray, Father, as I examine my own heart that you'd keep me in fellowship with you day by day and there'd be breakthroughs this morning as we, uh, Lord, uh, as we want to grow in our relationship with you and grow in our relationship with each other that God our Father would be ready and watching and waiting and looking up until you come again. 
But Lord, until then, we pray now for your anointing to be on us and fresh cleansing in my heart. And when all said and done, we'll thank you because it's all about you. And we pray it in Jesus' name, Father. And all the church said, Amen. You may be seated. Here's where we're going in the message today. As you follow along with me, uh, here's a little outline on the book of Song of Solomon. We're not going to necessarily go into the details of Song of Solomon, but rather just uh, uh, get to the meat of the message. Here's what I mentioned to you a moment ago. Number one, will you make this springtime a great time? That's the title of the message. Springtime's a great time. Will you make it a great time? I'm asking you this question. By growing in your devotional time. By growing in your devotional time. I want you to look, please, in the book of Song of Solomon and notice in verse number 11 and 12. We'll come back to number 2, which will you make this springtime a great time by growing in your family time. We'll look at that as well. And then finally, will you make this springtime a great time by growing and getting ready for the end time. All right? So, number 1, will you grow and your devotional life. Will you grow in your devotional life? I want you to pay attention to verse number 11. Skip down to verse 11. Notice what Solomon wrote as he included this uh, in this uh, uh, particular book. For lo, the winter is past. The rain is over and gone. Somebody say amen. Y'all glad winter passed? How many of y'all glad winter passed? Yeah, yeah, you've been sitting inside, cooped up in them four walls, been cold, can't get out, the sun's shining. It makes everybody feel a little better, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, it makes everybody feel a little better. The sun's out, and praise the Lord, and the birds are singing, and the grass is growing, and the flowers are blooming, and the, the temperatures are warming, and the pollen's falling everywhere. Matter of fact, I heard about a lady just the other day. I was in a store, and she came in the store and said, man, I sure would love springtime if it wasn't for all this pollen. She said, I hate this pollen. She talked about the pollen for about 20 minutes. I hate this pollen. I, I just can't stand this pollen. Well, I understand it. It can be allergic and all that stuff and gets on your vehicles and all that, but it comes with the, the springtime. It kind of reminded me of the story of the grandmother that went to the ocean. Did you hear about it? Her little grandson was playing out there in the ocean at the very edge of the uh, sand in the water he had his hat on to shield him from the sun's rays and about that time a great big wave came billowing in and jerked him out into the water well he was going further and further into water and grandma saw what's going on she said dear god save my grandson don't let him get swept out to the ocean but about that time another wave came crashing in and brought him up to the shore he brushed himself off she looked at him and said, well, where's your hat? She said, dear God, where's his hat? <laughs> God, I want you to bring his hat too. Isn't that like us? That's just like us. I mean, one blessing after another, and then we're not happy. We're not satisfied. We're not content. God blesses us here. God blesses us with health. God blesses us with a good family. God blesses us with a home. God blesses us with a good church, and we want more, and we want more. And sometimes we don't appreciate what we have. I want you to zero in, please, on this particular phrase, lo, the winter is past and the rain is over and is gone and the flowers appear on the earth, the time of singing of birds has come and the voice of the turtle is heard in our land. That is the turtle dove. Can I tell you something? For some of you today, y'all listen to me, some of you today, winter is gone. You're in a new season in your life. 
Y'all hear me now. I believe God put this in my heart to come today to tell you springtime is here. And this is your time. This is the time for a new season in your life. Uh, the time of being depressed is over. The time for being down and discouraged is over. It's springtime. It's new growth. It's new vision. It's new purpose. It's new power. It's new glory. It's new fulfillment in life. It is springtime today. And today God wants you to know that you're in a new season in your life. You're not going to be going through wintertime anymore and you ought to shout, you ought to praise God because either we can pout or we can shout and I'm telling you, life is too short to pout. We ought to be shouting, amen and amen and amen. Hey, you can choose to lose if you want to. You can choose to murmur and complain and be a whiner or you can be a shiner. What are you going to do in springtime? Are you going to uh, pout or are you going to shout? Are you going to rejoice in the Lord always? I'm telling you, some of you need to get out of the wintertime and come in the springtime and say, I'm going to bless the Lord. I'm going to praise the Lord. I'm going to serve the Lord. I'm going to love the Lord. Now is the time to reach out. Now is the time to go all the way for God. Now in the springtime is the time to do great exploits for God and move mountains for God and calm storms for the Lord and because of His power somebody will say, thank God my winter time's gone. I'm in springtime right now. And so, winter's past. I want you to learn two words the Lord put on my heart as I thought, two words. Here they are. Not only is winter past and the time of singing of the birds has come, oh yes, you can make the best of it today. And some of you just need to say, Lord, I've been in a rut. I've been sinking in sands of despondency, but God, I'm coming out today. I'm coming out today. Today is the day you've made, and now is the accepted time. Some of you need to be saved today. Some of you need to get your heart right with God today. Some of us need to get sin confessed under the blood of the Lamb today. Some of us need to say, God, I've been running from you. I've not been uh, what you call me to be. God, today I want to make a difference. Today I believe I've got purpose in life. Today, Lord, I'm going to start throwing out the lifeline. Today, I'm going to stop making excuses. Today, I'm going to be no more alibis. Today, God, I'm going to sell out to you. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to take up a cross. I'm going to enjoy your presence, whether anybody else enjoys your presence or not. I'm going to rejoice in all of your goodness and your blessings in life. I don't want to be drugged down by the negativity of this life. Oh no, today, Lord, is springtime. It's going to be a great time. Yes, I'm going to face some trials and yes, I'm going to face some difficulties, but I'm purposing in my heart to love you and to serve you and to make a difference while I can. Have you decided that? I said, have you decided that? Oh yes, you've been negative long enough. You've got winter time gone. The bugs are gone. Oh, no, they're coming out, should I say. Well, the time for you to rejoice in the Lord. Two words I want you to note today that God put on my heart. Number one, procrastination. There it is. Procrastination. Do you get it? Procrastination. Number two, determination. 
determination. You need this today. I said, you've been procrastinating. I said, you've been putting off. I said, I know that you're here today, and I thank God for you being in church today, but that's the first step. That's just the first step. You've got to move on past just going to church. You've got to get on just beyond the singing of the songs that it is well with my soul. You need to move a little deeper and a little closer in your devotion time. You need to start rebuilding some broken down walls. The devil has come and the little foxes have spoiled the vines and you've been avoiding and neglecting your time with the Lord and the Lord says today it's springtime for you. Winter time is past. Oh yes you need to start uh, disciplining your flesh that you get into the word of God every day that the word of God will get into you because when we read the word of God the word of God reads us I need it every day you need it every day and today God is telling us stop procrastinating stop saying you're going to go talk to your neighbor and you know you hadn't talked to your neighbor stop talking about praying for your neighbor if you hadn't prayed for your neighbor start getting to the altar today and start really following through what you told God you'd do but you hadn't been doing it and you hadn't had a passion for the Lord and God says all that's in the past it can be washed away it can be blotted out it can be removed and today is a new day for you Yes, the Lord said, from the rising of the sun to the going down thereof, the name of the Lord is to be praised. Procrastination. If you procrastinate about taking care of your teeth, what's going to happen to your teeth? They're going to rot out. Somebody say amen. If you don't brush your teeth, you neglect them, you procrastinate, you're going to have some problems with your teeth. What happens if you neglect your hair, it's going to mat up. And if you neglect your body, it's going to deteriorate. It's going to get weak. Procrastination. And as a Christian, brother and sister, it's easy to procrastinate. I know I battle with this stuff all the time, procrastinating and putting off stuff and, and sometimes knowing what to do and what not to do. I want to be in the will of God instead of the way of God. Amen and amen and amen. Are you in God's way? Are you in God's will? Procrastination. How many of you have ever procrastinated? Let me see your hand, all right? You know we all have procrastinated at times. Speaking of procrastination, winter is past, spring is here. Uh, I look back and uh, where we first moved to our home uh, in Newburn, Georgia, I remember going into the side yard, and on the side yard there was a little twig coming out of the ground. A little twig, mind you. Nothing big about this twig, just a little small twig. I said, well, man, that looks like a little flower or some kind of plant. I don't know what it is. And by and by, a year passed by, the little twig grew a little bit. And then a few more years, the twig got a little higher. I said, I can cut it down any time. It's no big deal. And then the twig got a little bit higher, and I said, it's still not too big, no big deal, just a little, you know, I can just cut that thing down. <laughs> and then the years passed by, and the next thing you know, I got an 80-foot sweet gum tree <laughs> right there in the yard. Listen, beloved, I procrastinated cutting the thing down. I should have cut the thing down a long time ago. Guess how much I spent to get somebody to help me to climb up it and cut it down. The thing's about this big around. Uh, I'm not exaggerating. And uh, anyway, I, every time I look at it, I say, man, I should have cut that thing down a long time ago. Well, it's between two houses, our house and our neighbor's house, and it's not good. And so I had to get 
get the thing cut down. It got to the point you couldn't just cut it and fall. You had to cut the top out. How many know I'm, my Tarzan days are over, amen? I'm not going to be Tarzan anymore, and I hope you won't either. Can you look at me and say amen? Don't be Tarzan. By the way, men, I love you, but don't get on the roof. And don't get on a ladder, all right? Please don't. I'm not trying to tell you what to do. I just love you, and I don't want anything to happen to you. Don't get on a ladder, and don't get on the roof. Uh, and all the men, men said, amen. Just don't do it. Just don't do it. Justin, if Grandpa gets on the roof, you just go over there and tell him, I'm going to get on the roof. And all God's people said, amen. Now, the reason I say that, Brother David had a little mishap, like we all do from time to time. And uh, next thing you know, we ended up over there at... Uh, Atlanta Medical Center. But anyway, here's the point. The point is, cut down the tree. And I said to the tree cutter, I said, man, I want to negotiate with you. I said, how much you charge me to cut down that tree? He gave me a price. I said, man, I don't know about that. I said, well, let me make a deal. If you cut it down and leave everything there, will you uh, not charge as much? He said, absolutely. I said, all right, it's a deal. You cut it down and I'll clean it up. I'll cut up all the limbs and cut up the trunk and cut up the limbs and so forth and haul them off. It's a deal. Well, Long story short, I had about an hour or so and uh, got in there and started cleaning up all that debris, the logs and, and the uh, limbs and so forth. And about that time, one of the limbs hit me right there in the nose. I got a scar, uh, a little place right there on my nose and where I was cleaning up that stuff and it hit me. And you know what the Lord spoke my heart about? Son, you better keep your nose in your own business. I believe sometimes if we don't keep our nose in our own business, we can get in trouble. Come on, talk to me. Talk to me now. Instead of Facebook, we ought to get in the Bible book. <laughs> oh, I didn't go on to meddling now. But here's the point. You stick your nose in somebody else's business, you're liable to get stuck, all right? That's exactly what happened to me. So, procrastination. We need, how many today need to say, God, I've been putting off this thing. I've been putting off calling my neighbor. I've been putting off uh, making this text message to this friend of mine. And Lord, I've got to stop doing that. And today, God said, you're going to stop. God said, and you said, today, I'm going to stop putting this thing off and making excuses and maybe something else God is dealing with you about. Today, I'm going to do what God tells me to do. Oh, yes, procrastination. Why? Because determination, determination. I'm determined to follow through on what God wants me to do. The winter is past and the springtime is here. And I'm determined, I'm determined by the grace of God to do everything God wants me to do. What's God telling you to do today? What's the Lord showing you that needs to happen in your life? Well, if you'll follow through, I believe you'll be happy today that springtime will be a great time for your life today. Springtime will be a great time for you. But number two, there's a second way you can make springtime a great time, not only by your devotional time, but number two, springtime can be a great time by growing in your family time. There's some of you today, mamas and grandmamas, I know deep down inside you want to be a little closer to your family. And there's probably some daddies here, probably some granddads here that would love to be a little closer to your grandchildren, love to be a little closer to your family. It seems like, see if you agree with me, it seems like as we get older, uh, whereas we're real busy during our life, it seems like now that uh, our children or grandchildren, whatever it may be, they're busy and really don't have time hardly to come around. Somebody say amen. You know what I'm talking about. Everybody's, that's called life, all right? It's called life. And it's all right. But, but our family time can be a great time by growing in your family time. I want you to look back to Song of Solomon chapter 2. Look at verse 1. Look at verse 1. I am the rose of Sharon 
and the lily of the valleys. And as the lily among the thorns, so is my love among the daughters. Now, uh, how many know that the Rose of Sharon, I found a map for you and uh, put it together where you'd find out here on this geographical location where the Rose of Sharon is located. This is not just a term. Rather, you'll notice uh, Israel, you'll notice the Mediterranean Sea, and here is considered the plain of Sharon. I am the rose of Sharon as the lily of the valleys. And as the lily among thorns, so is my love among the daughters. Here is the rose uh, of Sharon, the plain of Sharon. Now, I thought about that and I began to say, Lord, what are you trying to show me in this text? And here's what the Lord seemed to speak to my heart about. Two things. Number one, how many of you women like roses? Let me see your hand. You like roses. All right, men, are you paying attention? Are you paying attention? Who, who, how many like roses? Y'all raise your hand. All right, men, I'm trying to help you out now. Okay. Uh, how many of you men like roses? All right. Roses are nice. There's nothing sissy about not loving roses. They're, they're nice, beautiful. It's God's creation. Man, they've got white roses. They've got pink roses. They've got red roses. I even saw a black rose the other day. They may be having other roses. They may be other colors. I don't know. But a rose, y'all ever smelled a rose? Sure you have. A rose is a beautiful thing, right? A rose is a beautiful thing. I mean, yes, a rose is a beautiful thing. The rose of Sharon. And, and the, the uh, Shudamite woman is saying, and, and there's no doubt that Jesus Christ is referenced as far as uh, into this text. I am the rose of Sharon and the lily of the valley. Number one, a rose has a sweet smell. A rose is a beautiful flower. And how many know that your family can really be beautiful? Yeah, I know you're not raising your hand, but your family can be beautiful. And your family, uh, it's, a, it's, it's a wonderful thing to have a, a family connection. My dear sweet wife, Deanna, went down to visit her mother this week. Her mother's been in the hospital, and, and so uh, she had a stint put in a few years ago. But uh, thank God the doctor report came back and said they're going to change the medicine. So, but anyway, Deanna, she was asked if she could come down for a couple of days. And so she'll be back uh, sometime today. But how many know when mama's not home, daddy misses mama, amen? And uh, y'all know what I'm talking about. Well, absence makes the heart grow fonder. A family can be sweet. How many of your parents have young children? Let me see your hand. You better enjoy them while you can. Can I get an amen? You better enjoy them while you can. I know it's a lot. I know it uh, can be stressful. But our children are sweet, amen. They're so sweet, aren't they? They're so sweet. <laughs> Tammy, she's about to jump up and shout, amen, and say, thank God. I heard about one mama, they said, would you, if you had children uh, over again, would you have children? She said, yeah, but not the same ones. <laughs> so I don't know about that. I know Angela's a precious young lady. But anyway, here's the point, right, Amy? Uh, that Riley's getting ready to fly out of the nest, buddy, uh, and, and Justin and I were talking about it the other day. We're happy for you, Riley. Somebody say amen. We're going to miss you, but you got to come back, Andrew. Y'all don't forget this. Now, y'all don't forget this, that uh, we love you, and don't forget your roots, amen. Don't forget where you came from, all right? Come back and see us. And Mama said, amen and amen. How many know we need to be praying for Mama more than daughter? Come on, talk to me. And Daddy, too, not just Mama, but Daddy, too. So we're happy for you. So a rose can be sweet, and the fragrance is absolutely just just wonderful. I mean, in fact, you go over here to this where I showed you this rose of Sharon. You don't have to stay there very long, and all of a sudden that sweet fragrance will get on you. And everywhere you go, you smell like a rose. Smell your neighbors say, neighbor, you, you don't smell like a rose. No, I'm just kidding. Hey, look, you smell like a rose everywhere you go. And so it is when you get in the presence of God. 
Oh, I wish I could preach right there for a little while. When you get in the presence of God, I'm telling you, when God shows up and you get with the Lord, y'all know what I'm talking about? When you get with the Lord on a daily basis and you say, now, I'm not, I, there's nothing wrong with riding down the road getting with the Lord, but I want to encourage you to use some quality time, uh, set some time aside, get in your closet, get in your bathroom, get in some room where it's distraction-less and where you can just get on your face before the Lord and say, oh, God, I want to worship you. I want your, your presence and power in my life. You just get with God. And I'll tell you what, when you come out of that room, the glory of God will be on you. You ever been around somebody that smell like heaven? I've been around some folks that smell like heaven. You get around them, they can smell just like heaven. Man, it makes you want to be around them. Man, they got the sweetness of the word of God and the precious oil of gladness on them. You say, man, I like to be around that person. Oh, yes, the Lord Jesus makes a difference in our life. But wait a minute. How many know that roses have? You got it, brother. This is the second part of that rose. I am the rose of Sharon and the lily of the valley. Now, how many know that there's no perfect family? Oh, did I get your attention? There's no perfect family. There's no perfect children. There's no perfect dad. There's no perfect mom. There's no perfect wife. There's no perfect husband. There's no perfect grandchildren. There's no perfect grandparents. And thorns are among the beautiful rose. So we got the family, and we just got things that come along with it. You know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of a dear lady named Marie White. Marie lived right down there. She just went to be the Lord just a few months ago. Back in the uh, uh, summertime, Marie had a daughter named Rose. How many remember Rose, her daughter? Marie had four or five children to pass away, I think three or four. Uh, let's see, Matt, Mark, and Rose, and Dorothy uh, went to be with the Lord, four children, and had the privilege of preaching three of their homegoing services. But I'll never forget Rose's funeral. I began to pray and say, Lord, what do you have me to share? I talked with Rose about her relationship with God. She had red hair of all things, being a rose. Anyway, I got to the uh, funeral service, and you know what the Lord had me to do? Just carry a rose and hold it up and say, uh, talk about a rose, how a rose uh, really makes a difference in our lives. I thought about that. So roses uh, uh, <laughs> are beautiful. Speaking of that, you heard about the man that was a horse jockey. Man, this horse was a winner. He never lost. He won every single time. This horse could fly. Somebody, how in the world did you get that horse to win all those races? The jockey said, easy. I just whispered in his ear every race before the race. Roses are red, violets are blue. If you lose, you'll be turned into glue. He said, man, he won every single race. I don't know about that, but I know this. Learn this. In a family, number one, uh, here's how we can make our family sweet. How, how can we, uh, will you make this springtime a great time, not only in your devotional time, but in your family time? How can I do it? You ready for it? Simply, several ways. Number one, love unconditionally. That's right. Love unconditionally. Like the Father loves us. I'm telling you, that's, that's the key to love unconditionally. But if they just wouldn't act like this, if they just wouldn't talk like this, if they just wouldn't treat me like this, if they just do this, or, or I don't like their attitude, I understand but love unconditionally. Number two, uh, forgive ungrudgingly. Forgive. There's some things you just got to let go today. Some of you are holding on to some stuff today. You're mad. Maybe you're discouraged or, or disappointed. How many ever get disappointed? You probably some mamas and daddies today. You're disappointed. And you're disappointed in this or that or what's happening in your family. 
forgive ungrudgingly. You've got to let some stuff go. Today, you'd have a breakthrough today. You really would. Love unconditionally. Number two, forgive ungrudgingly. Number three, pray regularly. Number four, encourage faithfully. Number five, communicate diligently. These are keys to having a sweetness in your family. One, love unconditionally. What's number two? Forgive how? How many are willing to do that? Let me see your hand. How many need to do that today? Don't raise your hand. You need to do it today. You know you've been mad. You know you've been angry. You know you've been upset. You just need to pray that thing through because it's a thorn in your life and God doesn't want you to be angry and that spill out in every other area of your life. You know that that's, uh, that's that little spot that'll spoil the vine. But anyway, well, what are we talking about? We're talking about where do you need to sweeten up? Number three, and I'm almost done. Number three. Number three, how can you make this springtime a great time? Number three, will you make this springtime a great time by giving or rather by growing and by getting ready for the end time? Notice, how is your devotional life? How is your family life? Thirdly, how is your preparation for the end time? All right, notice in chapter number two. Now, I had to really dig to find this out. And y'all bear with me for a moment. Look at verse 9. My beloved is like a roe. Verse 9 of chapter 2. My beloved is like a roe or a young heart. That's a deer. Behold, he standeth behind the wall. He looketh forth at the windows, showing himself through the lattice. Notice that phrase, he standeth behind the wall. He standeth behind our wall. Do you know what Jews... uh, interpret how Jews interpret this verse you know how they do it I'll tell you how they do it many of them look at this and as they see their Messiah coming they're picturing the Western Wall how many know what I'm talking about the Western Wall we were there at the Western Wall otherwise called the Wailing Wall it's a great big wall President Trump was there just about a little over a year ago and you I took a piece of paper like most uh, people do you got to wear a little beanie hat and uh, there's cracks all in this wall. I took a little piece of paper that I prayed a prayer, and I put it in that wall, in the crack of the wall, and then I began to pray at that western wall. Now, the Lord spoke to my heart as I was praying at the western wall. I'll never forget it. I was praying there, and it was like God just broke through after about five minutes to say, Son, I'm everywhere. I'm not just at this wall. I'm everywhere. But here's what I want you to remember. That western wall, guess what direction that... Hope nothing falls. Guess what direction that wall is facing is facing the Mount of Olives so we're told and guess what happened on the Mount of Olives Christ was crucified that's right I saw you through the wall Jews interpret this and I want to parallel the passage for a moment in the book of Zechariah chapter 12 verse 10 Zechariah says this we saw uh, your wounds oh yes Zechariah portrays as seeing the wounds in his hands. Oh, yes, and the, the Jews are standing at the wall waiting for their Messiah, wanting their temple to be rebuilt right now. The Waf has control of the Temple Mount and the Jordanian government, and even right now you wonder why Israel doesn't just step in. Bibi Netanyahu, why he didn't just say enough is enough? We're going to take control of this Temple Mount. But he hadn't. Why they didn't in 1967 when they stormed in and took control, I don't know. But they didn't. 
And consequently now the Jews can't even go up on the Temple Mount and offer any sacrifices, for example, during Passover and other uh, Jewish festivals and feasts whereby they're supposed to go to Jerusalem for the Passover, for the Feast of Trumpets, and for the Feast of Tabernacles. At any rate, the Jews are wailing and crying, waiting for their Messiah. They remember how Christ was crucified. They didn't because they didn't receive the Messiah. But, but wait a minute, let me clarify. I remember how Jesus hung on a cross. By the way, there are two traditional sites in Israel, Jerusalem, at least two, considering the exact location where Christ was crucified. One is called Gordon's Calvary. I'll never forget going to there. We had the Lord's Supper, and I was able to preach and teach, and I still got the cup that we used. However, I do not believe that's the actual site where our Lord was crucified. Rather, I believe, personally, and I don't have time to get into it right now, but I believe it was the Mount of Olives. Why? Because the... um, reference to John you can stand on the Mount of Olives and look all the way over the Kidron Valley and look into the temple and no doubt John and the other disciples some of them who were there saw the veil in the temple rent when Christ said it is finished to tell us died he bowed his head and gave up the ghost why that he might forgive our sin God the father was satisfied in the death of his son and so no doubt uh, there was a picturesque where now we have access to the very throne of God when Jesus died a death he didn't deserve and paid a debt he didn't owe but oh bless his holy name that's a picture here of the wall behind the wall but secondly I want you to draw your attention as my time is fleeting away look in verse 17 notice this not only was Christ crucified but watch he was buried and raised raised again from the dead until the day break, notice, until the day break and the shadows flee away, verse 17, turn, my beloved, and be thou like a roe or a young heart upon the mountains of Bether. You see, here is a reference to, in my opinion, a, uh, and I'm not reading between the lines, but as I said, you've got a literal rendering of the text, but certainly in my heart, uh, Christ will come again. You see, when they took him off the cross, they put him in a tomb. We went to that tomb. You know what I discovered as I went down to that tomb? It was a hewn-out rock. I had to stoop down to get in that tomb, the supposedly the tomb of our Lord. There are several places also in Jerusalem that are uh, believed to have been the place where Joseph of Arimathea took the body of Christ down and put him in a tomb. You know what I looked and you know what I saw? Nothing. He wasn't there. Y'all don't get too excited. <laughs> Woo! Up from the grave he rose with a mighty triumph of his host. And I want to tell you something. The day's going to dawn. The Lord's coming again. You can rest assured. You can make this springtime a great time in your life. Stand together, would you?